Today's episode of Beyond the Rut is sponsored by Capshow, which is the ultimate AI content marketer for entrepreneurs who podcast, vlog, or live stream like yours truly. Stay tuned throughout this episode to discover more ways you can use Capshow for your content. For now, let's get straight into the episode. There is a God we want, and there is a God who is. They are not the same God. And the turning point of our lives is when we stop seeking the God we want and start seeking the God who is. Hey, Rudder Nation. Welcome to another episode of Beyond the Rut, the podcast that shares encouraging stories and practical tools to help pull you out of your rut and into a life worth living. I'm your host, Jerry Dugan, and in just a moment, Patrick Morley, founder of Man in the Mirror Ministries, is going to join me as we discuss the concepts around his newest book, The Four Voices, Taking Control of the Conversation in Your Head. Because, quite frankly, men, we get faced with voices just churning around in our heads. We're hearing what the world says we need to be, what our own selfish desires say, but also the devil. So how do we discern those from the voice of the Holy Spirit? And that's what Patrick Morley wants to share with us in this episode of Beyond the Rut, because we're going to take a focus on the faith circle of our lives and how that impacts our family, our fitness, our finances, and our outlook on future possibilities. So sit back and relax unless you are crocheting something. Actually, you could sit and relax and crochet while you listen to the show. Men, if you're crocheting, that's okay. Some guys do it. Some guys don't. Um, in fact, that's something I wish I learned to do so I could do that with my daughter. So don't you judge, guys. Uh, but here we go. All right. Hey, Pat, so glad you could join us from uh, Winter Park, Florida. Uh, it's, it's just it's an honor to speak with you and have you on the show. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Jerry. Uh, it's awesome to be with you as well. Thank you for having me on your show. And I look forward to speaking with you and your listeners as well. For those who don't know, which is probably all of you, um, you know, quite a few years back, I became a Christian probably around the year 2005 at the, the ripe young age or old age of 29. Wow. 29 years old. Uh, a lot of time spent saying Jesus isn't real. Uh, the church is all fake. Um, you know, how do you read just one book? So I was that guy. And like, I would try to science people out of believing in God, which is probably a horrible thing. Um, now that I know better. Yeah, it's actually easier to science people into, into God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, how do you explain the Big Bang Theory now? And it's like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like, who made it go bang? Yeah. And uh, even, like, just on Earth alone, like, uh, scientists agree that there was, like, some sort of energy level that needed to happen to spark life. Um, That energy level cannot be found or, I I think, even recreated in a lab. So uh, it's just, like, they they almost teetered around the phrase supernatural type of power that kicked it all off. And I'm like – Hmm. Um, I was before I became a believer when I learned about that one. But I just—I mean, we're going yeah. off in a direction I didn't anticipate. We just kicked it I, off. We got we... me going now because <laughs> you know the the whole idea, you know, of of that it's a preposterous idea, right? That <clears throat> that matter would come from consciousness, right? Yeah. But it's an equally absurd idea that 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 consciousness will come from matter. So both ideas are absurd. So 
no matter which side of the deal you're on, you're going to have to do it by faith. Yes. <laughs> yes. There's an extreme one way or the other, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, for everybody else, before we hit record, I told Pat, we got this plan. I'm going to talk about, <laughs> have you talk about Man in the Mirror? And then we're going to talk about your new book. And then, and like, right off the bat, I'm like, and when I was not a believer, I had tried to science people out of Christ. And... <laughs> Yeah, now we're going to be, next thing we're going to be talking about is how big is the observable, observable universe, right? Oh, man. Oh, man. And that, that's just what we can observe from here. That's not what's actually out there. Um, yeah. Scope and scale amazes me. Uh, so, me all, <laughs> so I became a believer around 2005. And then around 2007, uh, a friend of ours, um, you know, of the show, Brandon Cunningham. He was the, the founder of Beyond the Rut, uh, threw me a t-shirt after a paintball match and said, Hey, I'd like you to be in a group of men, uh, who are a core group building a men's ministry. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm a brand new believer. Like I, I have a Bible and I've gotten through the first paragraph like 10 times and, and whatever the pastor says on stage, how's this guy choosing me to be a core leader in a men's group? And then all of a sudden I'm leading a men's group and, um, Fortunately, my pastor's dad, um, we always called him Bill Sr. because, you know, Pastor Bill, Bill Sr. made sense. Um, he just said, hey, have you heard ever heard of Pat Morley uh, from Man in the Mirror? And I'm like, huh? And so I, I looked up the website and he had this book out at the time called Man in the Mirror. I'm like, oh, I want that book. So got that book from my men's group. Uh, and then uh, we got through the book. And then I was like, okay, I need more content. So I went back to Man in the Mirror and it turned, and around that time you had uh, a weekly Bible study and you still have this up there today, a weekly Bible yeah. study. And so I would just assign the video to the men in the group. Hey, watch this video. We'll talk about it on Monday or we'll talk about it whatever day of the week it was we met. Oh, and, um, and then you had I like had no idea that that's, that's yeah. awesome. <laughs> so when Karen Campbell reached out to me and said, Hey, would you like to, you know, we'd love for you to have Pat on the show. Uh, here's some questions. Here's a book. I mean, I'm like, I haven't read the book yet, but the answer is yes. Uh, Pat's going to have to be on the show. And then I rubbed it into Brandon's face. Brandon, I'm sorry. I love you, buddy. Um, you quit way too early. <laughs> so uh, tell us about though, like, cause I mean, the show is called beyond the rut. Uh, the idea is that we get stuck in ruts uh, either in our faith, our family life, Maybe our fitness, whether it's spiritual, emotional, or physical fitness, uh, our finances, or just our outlook on future possibilities. So those are like the five Fs uh, we've always tried to address on the show in some way, shape, or form because people get stuck in those areas, maybe all all areas or one area. Uh, and from what I understand, you yourself were a successful uh, commercial real estate developer uh, in the 80s, um, and you hit this moment. And and that essentially was the spark that began Man in the Mirror Ministries. Can you tell us about that journey, uh, where you were in the 80s when you did look in the mirror and had this change? Yeah. So uh, let me give you the two-minute preface to that. <clears throat> so, Jerry, I was born in a rut, okay? Yeah, I was born in a rut. I grew up in uh, a home where my dad, was abandoned by his father when he was two, and what it meant to be a man was unexampled to him. So he had to guess at how to be a father to me and my three younger brothers. Uh, he did the best he could. They actually joined a church, didn't get the help they needed there. I quit high school in the middle of my senior year. My next brother followed in my footsteps. Uh, he died of a uh, heroin overdose. Uh, at the age of 31, I have another brother. <clears throat> 
who never held a job for more than six months until he turned 50 years of age. And my youngest brother is a recovering alcoholic and divorced. And my dad just never saw any of that coming. So I was born in a rut. And uh, so broken boys tend to either grow up to be the responsible son or especially immature for their age. And I was the I was the one who grew up to be uh, in the language of um, dysfunctional families, the hero, you know, the one who got away and made something of his life. So, yeah, I was very successful, but I and I became a and then I met Patsy, my wife. Um, She wouldn't go out with me. Uh, I wasn't a believer. Well, finally, I tricked her into thinking that I was. Uh, I think I probably thought that I was myself, but I really liked her, and I wanted to spend the rest of my life with her. And so I, I tricked her, and I think she wanted to be tricked, to be honest. I think she liked <laughs> me too, you know. <laughs> but it was very clear within a couple of weeks of our marriage that we had a, a huge difference in our understanding of what it meant to be a follower of Jesus. I was committed to a set of Christian values. I was a moralist. I was committed to a set of Christian values, but uh, I couldn't understand what she was talking about when she was committed to a person. And so that difference uh, began to unfold. And uh, eventually her prayers uh, resulted in me uh, becoming a follower of Jesus. Maybe that's another story for another day. Then I was building this business, and uh, by the time I was 35, uh, I built one of Florida's 100 largest privately held companies, and um, I was an overachiever still. I suppose I still am an overachiever, right? But um, I was just sitting around one day, and I was thinking, you know, it's got to be more to life than this. I was a believer, but I said, it's got to be more to life than this. And so we started a Bible study. That was 1986. And just to, to to investigate the problems that men face, and really to, to try to take the Bible and uh, look at it from the perspective of a man living in uh, in the current day, and uh, contextualize the Bible, give him some news that he could use. Well, that kind of took off. So then in 1989, that led to the book, The Man in the Mirror. In 1991, then I left business and started uh, Man in the Mirror. So uh, we started it in a bar. A friend of mine owned this <laughs> restaurant that had a bar. And he said we could use it for free. So we started, Man in the Mirror started at a bar. <laughs> nice, nice. Doesn't get manlier than that, right? <laughs> <laughs> so that's a little bit of the origin story anyway. Nice, yes. And, you know, it's it's paid off. I mean, the the Bible studies that we would watch as a men's group in in Corpus Christi, Texas, uh, those groups that you led were not small. It wasn't like eight or nine guys gathered around a table at a Mexican restaurant, which was my group. Uh, you had yeah. probably eighty mm-hmm. to one hundred guys in there. Uh, you had a structure yeah, to it. Still do. Yeah, and yeah. you know, <laughs> you you're not running the whole show yourself. Like you delegate out leadership roles to the people who come to on, on a regular basis and right, yeah. use it to grow them and uh, to, to build that servant mindset for them as well. Um, mm. and, and that's just been amazing. What are, what are some of the things that stand out as highlights of that ministry since you started it in the early 90s? Well, uh, we from the very beginning, uh, I've always been animated, like probably millions of other Christians, by the idea that <clears throat> Uh, by the idea that what we really need in our nation is a wholesale 
spiritual revival and awakening. And I, my interest is in helping reach men and help them grow in their faith, men's discipleship. I like to say I'm a one-trick pony. You know, men's discipleship is my trick. So I can talk to you about anything you want to talk about as long as it's men's discipleship, you know. Uh, but I, I do think here's, here's, here's our paradigm. <clears throat> and listeners, see if this doesn't make sense to you. Um, can you picture any way of getting the world right if we don't get the church right? Well, if you're a, a follower of Jesus, you immediately agree with that. And, and even if you're not, you know, you know that if religious institutions are secularized, well, then the, the values that promote good, wholesome culture go away. So <clears throat> can't get the world right unless you get the church right. And then can you picture any way of ever getting the church right if we don't get families right? Probably not. Can you picture any way of ever getting families right if we don't get marriages right? Oh, probably not. Uh, any way of ever getting marriages right unless we fix these women, huh, Jerry? Right. Uh, I mean, we, 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 we you know, it's, <laughs> I Liv, mean, we laugh because, Liv, you know. for that part. <laughs> don't listen to that part. Go back. No, don't go back. <laughs> well, 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 we laugh because, you know, every, it's true. Every now and then a woman does rip her family apart. But mm-hmm. absolutely, the vast majority of, of times, it's, it's about the guy. So here's our model. You get the man right. You get the marriage right, you get the marriage right, you get the family right, you get the family right, you get the church right, you get the church right, and then you really can impact communities. And if you can impact one community, why not the whole world? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And one, one man at a time. And is yeah, it, you got me at a loss for words on that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, carrying on then, we, uh, yeah, so we, that was the vision yes. from the beginning. And, uh, so I wrote this book, and I was speaking, and my agent suggested I do a seminar. I said, I don't want to do a seminar. I'm, I, can't, I don't have time for that. I'm running a business. But he kept pestering me, so finally uh, we did. And now, uh, with the help of other faculty and so forth, we've, we've done uh, one, over 1,300 church-based seminars. Wow. wow. Uh, and... Uh, uh, 72% of all the men who've ever been in one of our seminars have gone into small groups. And many of those groups are still going, you know, decades later. Uh, not all of them, obviously. Um, but then we we're sitting around, <clears throat> I was sitting around in uh, 1999, and we were reaching, you know, five, 6,000 men a year through the seminars. And, and I said, God, is there anything that we can be doing that would give us a, a quantum leap, a big jump forward toward this huge uh, idea of uh, wholesale spiritual revival and awakening. And I, I, I had the thought, I wonder if we could figure out how to reach a million men in one year. And uh, I am a bit of a uh, hopeless dreamer. Uh, but anyway, I, I, I was thinking, well, what's the, what's the best resource that we have that we could reach men with? <clears throat> And that would be the book, The Man in the Mirror. And so I, I, uh, I started thinking, I wonder if we could figure out how to give away a million copies of The Man in the Mirror. And I did the math and, of course, had to dismiss that idea immediately, you know, when you start <laughs> looking at the cost. But I happened to mention it to Zondervan, our publisher. And they got very excited about the idea. And they said, we'd like to be your strategic partner. And I said, well, what, is, what does that look like? He said, that, well, we would sell you the books 
for paper and ink, 38 cents a piece. And I said, oh, my gosh, I can make that math work. So I raised about uh, three quarters of a million dollars. <clears throat> and the uh, upshot of that is we ended up uh, giving away uh, 1,159,500 copies of The Man of the Mirror on Father's Day 2000. Isn't that amazing? And then we were off to the races when we've had, you know, lots of other big strategic initiatives. We've we've distributed 10 million books in that program uh, altogether. We sell them now for, you know, one or two dollars a piece. And um, <clears throat> yeah, so uh, we've done transactions with uh, 35,000 churches. We've trained, trained tens of thousands of leaders in our No Man Left Behind leadership model. We have about 70 area directors around the country working with churches, consulting with churches to help them disciple men more effectively. And uh, probably the most interesting thing uh, in in the recent uh, COVID era is we started uh, Mirror Labs, which is an R- the R&D division of Man in the Mirror. And uh, we're focused specifically there, specifically there on reaching men in their 20s and 30s. And that thing has gone off the races. That thing is that thing is blowing up. So wow. that's wow. I think it's officially the first time I've heard of a ministry having an R&D section in it. That is amazing. Uh, I guess they all do in a way because you're doing like market research and things like that uh, to yeah. see how to, to adapt your your um, approach so that you're reaching the people you really are trying to reach. Um, that That is just amazing. So it's not like – this isn't like the Pat uh, Morley show. This is like – a movement in a sense. And I mean, it started with something that was put on your heart. Uh, but clearly there are other men out there who also need to oh, hear yeah. it, be a part of it. And I mean, it, it has impacted folks. I mean, I, I remember from my times at, uh, Church Unlimited when it was still Bay Area Fellowship even, uh, cause it did a name change. Uh, and we were doing our first ever men's men's or men's conference and it was free to the public. I think we had, uh, 300 or 400 men show up. And uh, the idea was like day one was sermon from our pastor, uh, but also take a free gift. We actually bought this thing called Books in a Box from a, a ministry called Man in the Mirror. And <laughs> uh, we distributed those. So like if you came mm. to that night, not only did you hear from our pastor, uh, but you also received a copy of this book. And it was going to be uh, led in all of the men's groups at our church. So I think at the time we had like 10 or 12 men's groups, uh, one led by each of the, the core members uh, in the, the men's ministry. Uh, we even formatted, a, I think, a six-week study out of it. So how do we cover this in six weeks? Even for the guy who thinks he doesn't, he can't show up because he didn't read his chapters, we had the discussion set up where even that guy could get something out of the discussion. It was, it was really fun. Stay with us. We'll be right back. And now let's talk about how you can use Capshow to repurpose and market your content. If you have a business like me, you can upload your cornerstone long-form content, like podcast episodes or YouTube videos, into Capshow, and it will create all your content marketing assets for you. And here's the coolest part. Capshow is more than just a robotic AI tool. It's a powerful blend of artificial and human intelligence designed by marketers to help you organically reach more of the right people on more platforms. Go to beyondtherut.com slash capshow, that's C-A-P-S-H-O, and start your 14-day trial and see for yourself. Now, back to the show. That's the model. That's uh, that, In fact, what you just described is we 
teach all of those things in our no man left behind leadership model. It's exactly, that's exactly it. And, you know, the, the disappointment factor too, if listeners out there, if, if you've been trying to do men's discipleship, um, all disappointment is the result of unmet expectations. So figuring out what the right set of expectations are is so important. And just understand that the principle of the parable of the sower is always at work every time you go out to make disciples. And that Jesus put that in motion. So it's, yeah. not, it's not a bad <laughs> thing. But, you know, <clears throat> somebody uh, who comes to an event in our model, <clears throat> uh, it, in our experience, we have seen 33% of the men who have come to our events actually uh, receive Jesus or reaffirm their faith, and uh, 72% go into small groups. But the, uh, the fall-off is normal. It's expected, and that's why it's not a one-and-done kind of a thing. Exactly. That's why you have other kinds of events that attract other kind of men and loop those other guys back in. So the guy that was interested in learning might not be interested in service. And vice versa. And so, yeah. yeah. And, you know, in the grand scheme of things, you know, we may not be the person who's meant to convert 100% of the people we come across that you you may have been Mm. there just to plant a seed or a thought or an idea. And it's maybe somebody else who comes along two or three years later or a week later or a day later. Uh, So it's a different conversation that, you know, triggers the transition. I know for me, I think I'd been approached, uh, I lost count multiple times by friends, family, all believers who, you know, wanted me to have a different way of life. And I'm like, Oh no, that's not me. I'm a thinking man you know like <laughs> like the the typical phrases you would hear from somebody who really adamantly doesn't want to acknowledge that there is god out there and um but it took really two moments uh 2003 was a a soldier who was well below my rank you know asking me about some actions i was taking uh, while in iraq um so that that was like the seed like his actions actually was more uh of the type of man i wanted to be and here I am in the authority position, not being the man I wanted to be. And then two years later, finally, you know, having that aha moment that uh, if if I'm going to have a different life, I need to step up and step out and have that different life. And and so ever since then, though, it's never been a regretful moment, even even through the struggles over the last couple of decades. Been amazing. Um so from there, I don't know how to best transition, but we're going to do it. Uh, you've got a new book that came out called uh, The Four Voices. and I'm so excited about this book. Oh, man, I, I love it because, I mean, all conversations are kind of with ourselves and sometimes we involve other people, but we really have those four voices inside of us, you know, creating that internal struggle. And, uh, you know, they've got the, the voice of the world the voice of the flesh and the voice of the devil and then the Holy Spirit. So tell us a little bit about each one of those and what it looks like. And then how do we discern? Well, I guess I'll bring this question back in, but you know where I'm going with this is how do we discern that we're listening to the Holy Spirit and not the other three? Yeah. So uh, Jerry, let me just, uh, listeners, let me give you the arc of this, this book. You're going to love this. So we all know that we have a running conversation with ourselves all day long. We call it self-talk. And we need self-talk because self-talk is how we take the little bits and pieces of life and fit them together into some kind of a congruent story that makes sense of things. And uh, here's the thing. We are not the only voice in the conversation. As Jerry said, there are these four other voices that are 
constantly exerting themselves to influence what we think, say, and do. The world, the flesh, the devil, and the Holy Spirit. Your job, listener, is to figure out which voice is speaking and then take control of the conversation. So Proverbs 4.23 uh, says, above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Everything you do flows from it. And the heart is a Bible word that means intellect, will, and emotions. The Hebrew word means intellect, will, and emotions. So the, the word we would use today is mind. So, you know, above all else, guard your mind, guard your heart, guard your mind, your intellect, your will, and emotions. For everything you do flows out of that. Even Jesus said, you know, out of the overflow of your heart, the mouth speaks, you know, all these thoughts, these bad thoughts that you have, uh, you know, all, all these actions, bad actions you have, they come out of your thoughts. And so the idea is to take control of that conversation. Pretty cool, huh? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, uh, what was it? Drunk words or sober thoughts, uh, but different. <laughs> Same, but different. <laughs> it's like, because uh, even the things that are on your heart, uh, that are sober thoughts can be so sober words, and there, there's a trend and a pattern that comes out over time. Yeah. Now, how do we discern that we're listening to a voice that has like the best interest for ourselves and others in mind, as opposed to, you know, the selfish flesh or the world really being about like in the moment happiness uh, or the devil is just like let's just try to ruin some lives as best as possible while we're still here. Well, let me tell you a story that shows you a contrast. So, um, when I was a young guy getting out of college, I think even though I quit high school, I did go to college and, um, after the army and I, uh, wanted to go into, uh, commercial real estate, which is what I did my first career. And, uh, I knew the company I wanted to go to work for. I was able to get an appointment with the guy that ran, ran the company, owned the company. And. I made my pitch and he said, well, you know, I really think you have a lot of promise. The problem is you don't have enough gray hair. Uh, nobody's going to pay any attention to you. You're too young. And basically, he, what he was saying is you're too young to make a difference. So the voice of the world will, will tell you you're too young to make a difference. But then I have older guys tell me all the time that they're having people communicate to them, you know, we don't need you anymore. You know, you're expendable. Uh, you, you know, you, you had your chance, you know, all, all these things. So it's the, vo again, it's the voice of the world saying, you know, you're too old to make a difference. So here you are, listeners, listeners, you ready? It doesn't make it, the world's telling you, it doesn't make any difference if you're young or you're old, you can't make a difference. But the Bible, and this is the contrast, see, the Bible gives a very different report that Joseph and uh, David uh, and, and Jesus, they were all making uh, the greatest contributions in the 30s. But you take Joseph and David. David, David was leading tens of thousands in his 20s. He was a, a huge commander. And Joseph was running Egypt as the number two guy in Egypt in his 20s, for crying out loud. So the Bible says that you're never too young to make a difference. But then you go to the flip side and you look at like uh, Abraham and you look at Moses and you look at the Apostle Paul, all of these men played their best music in the last one third of their lives. So th the Bible says it doesn't make any difference whether you're young or old. You can always make a difference. And so the how do you how do you access the voice of 
of the Bible. It's through the, the, the power of the Holy Spirit tutoring that to our hearts. And, you know, I'm a, anybody, those of you who have read my books, you understand, I, uh, I, I'm very intentional about understanding, okay, what exactly is the problem that we're trying to solve? Because if you're trying to solve the wrong problem, you can only succeed by accident. So we, we need to we need to understand the problem, right? But if you've been one of my readers, you also know that that I'm primarily writing solutions. So, but I do like to take ten or twenty percent of the time and really understand what we're really talking about. But then I'm really about the solution. So most of this book is is about solutions. It's about understanding how to uh, who the Holy Spirit is, uh, how to how to have the power of the Holy Spirit, how to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, how to cultivate the voice of the Holy Spirit, and I think I've got twenty-seven throughout the throughout the different chapters. Twenty-seven different uh, tools and resources that you can use to take control of this conversation in your head. You can do it. You can do it. Yeah, I never really added up those tools. I was like, yeah, well, but I mean, you got you got them chunked. So from the instructional designer side of me, I'm like. Well done. You got those blocks into good, memorable <laughs> pieces of three to seven items. Um, you, get, you get an A for that effort. <laughs> Jerry just geeked out from his day job. Uh, yeah, because you, you cover like in chapter two, um, spiritual disciplines so that you can hear from God. So what are those disciplines? Yeah. And, you know, you just mentioned them, the Bible, you know, praying, you know, listening for the Holy Spirit. Um, and then you also talk about like what is your conscience telling you? Because, you know, we're not completely devoid of morals or values. So those are also in there given some, some wrestling. And then, you know, the circumstances kind of tell you, it's kind of like when the disciples were sent off to Asia, but they couldn't get into Asia. So they're like, well, I guess we minister here <laughs> and, and it's like work where you are with what you've got. Um, you yeah. Also- or if you're five feet, eight inches tall and you can't dunk and you can't shoot a three point shot, you're probably not going to be a professional basketball yeah. player. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, well, I mean, you could still be on the team, but you got a different role. Maybe you're, you're the guy washing the towels or the guy selling the tickets or marketing or, or maybe you're the owner. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. <laughs> recruiting the players who are six foot something and <laughs> can dribble and so on. Uh, and it's a yeah you've got that uh what are the habits and virtues that'll help us uh you know distinguish between these different voices uh i always hear men talk about and it's probably because it involves armor and swords and stuff like that you know the armor of god the the shield the the helmet the belt the sword and uh and like the analogies sound really cool and like you want to go tim allen like oh, oh, oh yeah that's awesome um but you do a good job of you relating it to Everybody like why this is important. Um, and then you got like six, those six practical steps at the end uh, it, towards uh, chapter five. Um, so, I mean, if if we were to talk about like a starting point for somebody who is, you know, they, they feel stuck in life. They feel like just sort of lost. Um, where is a good point for somebody listening right now to to start? Well, that's why I mean. That's why I wrote the book. Right. Uh, I, I feel like this this is ground zero. If you know knowledge is power, you know. It, if it, okay, so I'm Pat Morley, right? You're looking, Jerry, listeners. You don't know Jerry and I are in Zoom right now. Jerry's looking at me. I'm I'm Pat Morley, right? Now, Jerry, what did I just do? I picked up my smartphone, right? Now, who am I? Well, I'm the smartest person in the world. Because I am now, I have instant access to anything I want to know about anything anywhere in the world at any time 
at all times. And so information is not the issue anymore, but taking that information and shaping it into knowledge that is digestible, that is seasoned with experience and wisdom that is applicable to my own actual life. This is something that's very valuable. And so that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to take uh, and, and, and the, 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 the data, the, the information about these four voices, and I wanted to turn it into digestible knowledge. It could really help a guy or a gal really understand what's going on in their heads and take control of the conversation. So, uh, yeah, I, you know, I, uh, I mean, I could write technical, theological. I've got a PhD. I have a seminary degree. I could write all this, but I, I like to write. I like to write in a way that somebody can actually read it and walk, uh, you know, and then get up and walk across the room and do something about it. So. Yeah. Yeah. And that's exactly what our men's ministry at my previous church loved. Uh, and the reason why I have a new church now is I moved to a whole different town uh, 400 yeah. miles away. So it's like, yeah, driving back and forth on a Sunday is going to be a challenge now. <laughs> um, but what Pat said is exactly right. Like there's subheadings. The, the print is a little bit larger. The, the book is not terribly long either, 150 pages, uh, which I love because it helps me achieve my reading goal for the year a lot faster. Um, and if I still have listeners out there and you're thinking, but Jerry, I don't like to read. I'm not a big reader. I don't have time to read. You know what? You spend about 15 to 20 minutes in a certain room of your home or your office every single day, whether you want to admit that's the amount of time or not. Put a copy of this book in that room, and so while you're sitting on that porcelain throne, and instead of pulling your, your phone out to play games or scroll through social media, read a few pages of Pat Morley's book, The Four Voices. Uh, and, and this is a solid strategy, guys. Don't laugh. Uh, but this is how I read the Bible. And then even better, we grow stronger in community, I believe, right? I mean, you even talk about one of the disciplines is having strong counsel, um, you know, God-following, God-fearing, you know, Jesus following um, counsel and you got to get into a men's group. So if your church has men's groups and they want to do the study, go for it. Uh, if you don't have a church or you don't have a church that has men's groups, uh, maninthemirror.org, he's got a search function in there. You can find a men's group in, in your area, especially if you're in a city. Uh, and if there are no locations in there, guess what you get to do? You can delete one. Uh, <laughs> uh, so in the back of the book, there is a discussion leaders guide. Yes. Right? And, uh, <clears throat> and uh, there are questions at the end of each chapter. So you can put together a small group yourself. You can bring that book into your small group. It's also a, uh, there's another edition of this. It's even shorter, one chapter shorter. That's in our Books by the Box program oh. that, that Jerry was talking about earlier. Uh, so you can go to booksbythebox.com, booksbythebox.com, and get these books in cases of 12 and 48 for peanuts. And, um, yeah, so I write books for men who don't read books. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I write books for men who don't read books. And, uh, and by the way, you, you know uh, – I, I, I'm uh, on this on this promoting this this book because and it's not that I uh, I believe in Christian literature because I write books I write books because I <laughs> I write books because I believe in Christian literature it's been amazing to me Jerry how often I've seen over the years how a man will get hold of a book and then God will use the book to get hold of the man 
and just really kind of catalyze uh, a new way of thinking. Guys, if you feel like you're in a rut and you've been stuck, maybe you're like me, who knows, maybe you were born in a rut, never have gotten out of it, or maybe you're in a rut, maybe it's in your marriage, maybe it's in your work, maybe it's in your finances, wherever it is. But uh, this, but you're in a rut because there's this, this battle in your mind. You have these mood swings. You don't know why. You're hypersensitive. You uh, misread what people intend. Maybe you're easily angered. Maybe you feel alone. Whatever it is, these are these are the results of thoughts that are in your head. And you can, I promise you, you can't get control of them if you understand what the problem is. Otherwise, you can only succeed by accident. Yeah. Exactly. And that, that reminds me of a question that a friend of mine, Spencer, wanted me to ask you is, what advice would you have for somebody who is struggling with that imposter syndrome of, I'm not smart enough to do this. I'm not equipped enough to do this. I'm not experienced enough to do this. I think you've already said it, but just so that Spencer doesn't miss the point, what would you tell Spencer to to go with? Yeah. Well, it's interesting because uh, the, the truth of the matter is that None of us, none of us are really uh, qualified to to accomplish the manhood that God intended apart from the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, you remember Moses showed up and he saw the Bernie Bush and he said, oh, man, oh, God, I can't do this. Send somebody else, you know. Yeah, he just didn't feel adequate. Here's the thing. So Moses, when he went out uh, as a young ruler and saw the the Egyptian um, kill the Hebrew, he killed the Egyptian. You remember, and uh, and then went out the next day. You know, uh, so at the moment that he thought that he was adequate, you know, God found him inadequate and drove him out in the wilderness yes. for forty years. But now, forty years later, we find a much more humble man. And, and God says, I'm, I'm sending you now back to set my people free. He said, oh, no, 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 I can't do that. Here's the thing. At the moment, Moses thought he was inadequate. That's when God found him adequate. And so uh, to just accept that we are inadequate without the power of the Holy Spirit, and then to understand how the Holy Spirit works in our lives and, and to respond to him and to be obedient. Um, look, um, the mindset of a servant Here's, is, is most people are asking, you know, how can I get what I want? But a servant is asking a different question. A servant is not asking, uh, how can I get what I want? The servant is asking, what does the master need? What does the master need? And so just to have the mindset of a servant and to allow the Holy Spirit to work in and through us with regard to that whole imposter, what a, what a, people think when they find out, uh, they already know, <laughs> right? <laughs> they already know. <laughs> they already know. You're the last one to know. They already know. And, um, but the gospel is grace. And, uh, I, I, my story on the imposter thing, or it would be this, that I'd been a Christian for 14 years and I had been, uh, working <clears throat> to, I knew that I was saved by grace, but I figured that it was up to me to prove to God that he had not made a mistake, you see. So I, uh, because I felt like I was an imposter, you know, 
So I was trying to prove that I had to, so I was doing all these good works and I was, I was just so exhausted. And I, I sat down one day, I said, God, I just don't understand. You know, I just, I'm, you know how hard I'm I'm trying to be a, a a good husband, a, a father that is there for his kids to be a man of integrity, to handle money faithfully. And uh, how many little ladies I've helped across the street. God, you knew all of these things. He said, I just, I just, I'm so tired. I just need some relief. And uh, Jerry, listeners, just like we're talking here, I heard in my head this voice. It said, Pat, nothing you do will ever make you good enough for me to love you. I love you because I made you. And that was the first time that I actually ever understood grace. So, If you feel like you're an imposter um, and that you have to somehow prove to God, uh, accept, uh, just uh, figure out how to bring yourself to the place where you can accept that he loves you because he made you. He knit you together in your mother's womb. He knows every thought you've ever had before it ever formed on your tongue. <laughs> uh, he knows those from afar. Uh, and then at the end of that Psalm, Psalm 139, he said, David says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out any offensive way in me and lead me in your everlasting way. So just uh, confess it, to humble humble ourselves. And uh, I probably worked in too many thoughts there, but that's the general (laughs) idea. (laughs) No, I think that was perfect. And then uh, my buddy Steve had a question of like, how do we reach the next generation? I think Steve, just listen to the whole episode here because I think we covered all the bases. Uh, Go to manofthemirror.org, get some studies, get a copy of the four voices. I know Steve will do this. Uh, The four voices uh, and get the box set and uh, give it out to a group of guys and equip those men to lead in their homes uh, in a Christ-like way. And I think that's one thing. And then, uh, you know, serving in their church would be another. I mean, God will lead you. The Holy Spirit will lead you where to go once you start healing yourself and learning more about Jesus and living out those principles and uh, and demonstrating Christ's love to others. I think all that, Steve, yeah, just do that. <laughs> uh, Pat, I know folks can buy this book on Amazon. They could buy it as a set off of manofthemirror.org. Um, they could join small groups that are doing this study. They can start a small group that's doing this study. If they're in a small group already, they could bring the book in and lead this study. Uh, any Anything I missed on that? Like how can people get this book or, or help get the book out there? Yeah, all those ways. And, uh, and if you do have a, a local Christian bookstore, be sure to support your local Christian bookstore, too. That's a good idea, always, because the, those are usually owned by small business people at this point. Yeah. And any final words of wisdom before we go? Well, I always would uh, close if asked that question with the greatest lesson that I think I've ever learned. And listeners, see if this doesn't make sense to you. I was sitting around in the rubble of a business crisis one day. Uh, crisis of my own making, I might add. And this thought went through my mind. And as I say, I think it's the greatest lesson I've ever learned. There is a God we want, and there is a God who is. They are not the same God. And the turning point of our lives is when we stop seeking the God we want and start seeking the God who is. Does that make sense? Just dawned on me one day, you know, Morley, what were you thinking? Did you really did you really believe that any amount of you wanting to reinvent God 
in your imagination to be the guy that you wanted him to be was going to have one iota of impact on his unchanging nature and character. So this is the guy, they say the observable universe now is 46.5 billion light years across. Okay, whatever, you know. <laughs> Did you really think that any amount of you wanting to reinvent you got in your imagination was going to have one iota of impact on the, 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 the being that could create that? And I realized that what I really need to do is I need to come and humble myself at the foot of the cross and make a full, total, and complete surrender of my life to the Lordship of Jesus and to do that every day. And that is the greatest lesson that I've ever learned. Awesome. Pat, it's been an honor to have you on here to have a conversation with you and to share the resources of Man in the Mirror with everybody who's listening right now. Uh, So I thank you for your time. I thank you for your insights. And thank Karen for sending me a copy of the book uh, and giving me a chance to read that and talk to you. Yeah. Thank you so much, Jerry. Thank you, listeners. I hope you all have a wonderful day. Now, I hope you get a lot of value out of that conversation as I did, because I've listened to this thing over and over again, and I'll continue to do that because I personally had an opportunity to sit down with someone I looked up to as a virtual mentor, whether he knew it or not. That is the impact Patrick Morley has had on my life and the lives of the men in my men's group and their families and so on. So I hope you had the same impact as well. Now, if you did find value in this, hit the share button and share this episode with a friend, a family member, a coworker, your social media network, or that neighbor across the street and let them know why you found value in the episode and why you think they will too. Now, if you haven't gone to Apple Podcasts and left a rating or review for this show, please go ahead and do that. I'll put a link in the show notes at beyondtherut.com slash 315, and there you'll have the link to the Apple Podcasts uh, location for the show. Now, if you want to just go straight to Apple Podcasts, you can go to beyondtherut.com slash Apple podcast. So that's my big ask out of this. Uh, Well, to really share this with somebody you think will find value in it. That's probably the most important thing. And then if you want to support this show, leave a review on Apple Podcasts if you already are an Apple user. Now, if you are a Spotify listener, leave a review there. If you're on Podchaser, leave it there. Wherever you are listening to this show, leave a review because that helps build up the clout of this show on the interwebs. Uh, The more that I hear from you through your ratings, your reviews, emails to info at beyondtherut.com, all those things. uh, It just lets me know that I'm on the right track sharing content that you need and bringing in the guests that you need to hear from. So there you have it. Um, I was great to join you this week and I look forward to joining you again next week. But until next time, go live life beyond the rut. Take care. You know, the best thing I love about Cap Show is that they have one of the best communities ever. As a Cap Showian myself, I always get invited to masterminds with industry leaders to get the insights and marketing strategies that take my business to the next level. Plus, they love surprising and delighting us. Go to beyondtherut.com slash Cap Show, that's C-A-P-S-H-O, and start your 14-day free trial with the Cap Show team today and join me inside that community.